Glory, glory, Sacramento. Hello, and welcome to the 916 Republic Podcast. I'm your host, Nolan. For tonight's show, I'm joined in the studio by the man who probably should be awarded a PhD in football analytics. From the game's first kick to its dying minutes, Scott is constantly buzzing with tactical ideas and insights. However, unlike most geniuses, Scott is also a very attractive and pleasant person to be around. These qualities are what makes Scott so endearing to us all. His football brilliance, combined with his easygoing and personable nature, makes him a true 21st century soccer savant. Scott, <laughs> it's good to see you. How are you doing tonight? Savant. Savant. Uh, I'm, I'm good. Okay. Oh, uh, I, I, I like how you lumped all people that are of intelligence yes. into the ugly category. <laughs> yes. On the Nolan attractive scale. Yes. But you are the one, you're the one, you're the exclude. you're the one person who does not fall in that yes. category. Thank you. I also don't, have no idea what savant means. <laughs> I just heard it <laughs> somewhere. Have you seen the movie Rain Man? Oh, maybe that's what because I literally just watched that two nights ago. <laughs> just sorry to everyone. Oh, sorry, sorry to everyone out there. <laughs> We're experimenting with new sound because I'm apparently too quiet. <laughs> Not anymore. Not anymore though. Uh, Wait, what, what? A savant is like somebody that's just like unnaturally gifted, and okay. they hyper focus on one. Oh, because they're te- yeah. That's when the in the movie Rain Man when he's yeah. talking about his brother White. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. He's a savant. That's how I knew that. That was just buried in there, and all of a sudden, maybe you're a savant. Maybe I am. I, I actually. What does he hyper focus on? I I, I actually uh, probably inappropriate movies. No, I I <laughs> I had, I not, had an, not like I had an experience the other day that Uh-oh. really made me question whether I did. Did you see color in numbers? No, but oh. I I was walking out the door and I realized that I had <laughs> I was wearing the same color for everything. Like I was wearing oh really navy blue shoes, navy blue shorts, a gray shirt gray socks and a navy blue gray backpack and i looked at myself in the mirror as i was walking out the door and i was like nope <laughs> i think i have an issue <laughs> like like i tried to are like, you in the navy or i don't know it was just weird gray so i changed blue, my baby. shirt but to gray <laughs> but yeah that was interesting. that's funny yeah anyway let's not do my intro oh let's do it let's <laughs> no, get into it just let's do just it move on. just okay. do it also joining me in the studio tonight is the man who has been dreading this very moment all week long <laughs> After a recent conversation that occurred between Zach, Scott, and I in the official 916 Republic podcast group chat, my creative mind has been absolutely buzzing (laughs) with all sorts of hilarious things I I may say tonight at Zach's expense. Alas, I have not been able to bring my pen to paper, though. Zach, I just want you to know that I love you more than life itself, and because of that fact i will refrain from making your mama jokes all night tonight but i will also say that i'm truly honored and flattered that your mother having listened to our podcast recently thinks that i have the voice of an angel that is all i'll say about that for now but it's great to have you in the studio how are you doing tonight that is not what she said yes zach, she did zach, how does it feel but... to know that nolan is single and your mom is single yeah zach oh <laughs> and she thinks I have a beautiful voice. Scott, I we, actually we dodged a, a bullet here and an and amazing body. You're <laughs> also one of those in, intellectual about, beauties. <laughs> in reality, Zach, the are reason talking, I are you talking about Nolan? Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. Actually, I thought you were talking about my mom. <laughs> actually, Zach, what? the reason I didn't rip into you is because I respect your mom too much, not because I care about you enough. <laughs> I was like, I can't do this to Tina. So 
<laughs> I refrain. I restrain myself. And the truth comes out. Yeah, but if there was anyone else, they would have. They would have had it come in. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Anyway, what respect for his elders. Yeah. The thing that brought that about was Zach mentioned that. Uh, what did Zach mention? He uh, he oh, invited us to a, a movie. Oh yeah, he invited us to a movie. And no one would go. So and like, nobody oh, it's okay. Would go. My mom's going. Like, yeah. And, oh and then gosh. someone in the group right chat said, said "Well, it. looks like you're going on a date with your mom." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Somebody. Hey, I don't know who that was. Me so. either. We all need mama dates. An unknown number. Yeah. Well, I'm doing good. Must have been your talk. number neighbor that said that. I don't know. Oh, I did. I texted my number neighbors and they didn't text back. Really? Yeah. Where did this? Was did somebody just one day go? Oh, we should text our number neighbors and put it on social media and here we yeah. go. I think, I think it, that was how it happened. I think it was yeah, like it was Ryan some Reynolds. Hashtag. Like you, Ryan Reynolds was some uh, random person's number neighbor or something like that. And he texted them. Yeah, and he's like, so it's probably like, no, no, you're thinking thing. of the Captain Chris Hemsworth. Chris, Hems, Chris, Chris Hems, yeah, no, like not Captain Chris Hemsworth. Chris, somebody else. Oh, Chris Evans. Chris Evans. Evans. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's probably a thing. It was like a hashtag, and then he did it, and it blew yeah. up. Yeah. 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 Didn't blow up for me, sadly. <laughs> no, Chris. You Evans. did it. I did it. Yeah, and they didn't text back. Both of them. I texted the one above and the one below. Rude. But I well, have Kentucky area. Too. You know what's not rude? It's getting into the news section. That's true. However, there is some sad news we have to talk about. I'm genuinely sad about this. Uh, Shannon Gomez had surgery on his knee. Nolan, did your dad perform the surgery? He didn't, sadly. Well, he probably would have been healing quicker. Hopefully they have, like, don't they have, like, special, like, sports surgeons? Surgeons, yeah. yeah okay. Um, he, if for those that do not know... Uh, has a torn ACL and meniscus in, I believe, his right knee. Tore it at the Orange County game, that nil-nil draw. Uh, he was subbed off later in, on in the game, so it kind of wasn't suspicious that he was being subbed off. He thought, okay, he picked up a knock. He's getting subbed off. He did. I remember going back and looking at the the highlights, and he – not the highlights, but uh, during the game, kind of watching it, and he, he did look, you know, a little down, but I was like, okay, you know, maybe he's he's coming off, and he knows that – uh, Barahona is coming on, and he, you know he's probably losing his job. That's why I was like, okay, he looks depressed. But actually, it was his knee. Uh, his knee was done, so, and now he's done for the season. Dang, that sucks. I, I like we talked about it before on this podcast, but it was sad enough seeing not sad, but we just we felt for the guy seeing Barahona come in. Yeah, it, replacing uh, Shannon Gomez, who was playing pretty exceptionally. Yeah. Um, at the time, so just to sustain this injury, on top of all that. He's got to be really rough. And He's had a rough year. Yeah. Well, it, well, it's funny you say that, though, because in the official club press release, it said that he had played the most minutes of anyone this season. Really? Yeah. I mean, think about it. He played – he and Josh – well, not even Josh Cohen because Josh Cohen was yeah. benched for that game. Yeah. Shannon Gomez, he played every game up until – even when Barahona was here. Yeah. Up until that knee injury, so. Dang. Hmm. It sucks. I feel like the writing was kind of on the wall, though. Like, it looked like that transition yeah. was going to get made. It was. I st- I remember saying in an episode before that I thought he would move to right back huh. because I, I like McCrary, but I like Shannon Gomez going forward better. Yeah. And that's what I thought we needed. So yeah. it is a little disappointing. Um, maybe some silver lining news. Todd Donovan is apparently being looked at to be the next GM for the Vancouver Whitecaps. If you don't know who the Vancouver Whitecaps are, uh, they've been around for a while, even before their Major League Soccer days. Um, they are in not the best place right now they this season brought in mark dos santos um who worked with todd donovan when they were both at the san francisco deltas and that fell apart very quickly they're only in the nasl for one year and then halfway through the season they ran out of money and it was like oh crap what are we gonna do let's go win a title 
Mm-hmm. And um, so there is a little bit of a connection there. Is this a good thing that he's being linked with a major league soccer move? Is is this bad? What do we feel? I don't know. We just sorry, Zach. But we just finished reading an, uh, a really great article. Go ahead and listen to the last podcast. But um, the writer, what's his name, Scott? Uh, Will Hodges. Will Hodges put out a really good piece on uh, blurbs and Dominaba about how with it was an interview with Todd Dunnett, and it was just encouraging and 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 uh, good to hear from the GM. He's very very honest, very frank, and like shared his frustration with the season. Like he said, things aren't going the way that that we want them to. Um, and he, he seemed like to have a I don't know, just like oh, we had this like emotional connection, and now he's being linked away. So I hope it doesn't leave. He doesn't leave. Yeah, and I mean to be fair, he he's done some work in the you know over halfway point of the season, but you know he's done some work to bring in a couple of players to oh, yeah. kind of shake the squad up a little bit. Um, good way, what looks to be a good way. Yeah, in a good way. And speaking of some of the players that have had to leave, Tyler Blackwood and Elliot Horde both started this past weekend for their new clubs, uh, St. Louis and Hartford. Tyler Blackwood did not score. I didn't see Elliot Horde's rating, but I did see that Hartford won 3-2, to two, I believe. So, like like we were saying, those were talented players, um, but maybe this just wasn't the right fit for them. Elliot Horde still technically is on the books with Sacramento, but I think his contract is up this year. Um, Tyler Blackwood, I think, has an, a one-year option. Or no, sorry. Tyler Blackwood was transferred. He's he's not on the books anymore. Um, how do we feel about that? Him leaving, or just both of them starting for their clubs and yeah. yeah. I think it's good. I I, I always want to see players, especially players in their positions where Elliot Horde was not going to get starting minutes at Sacramento. It came it became pretty obvious that was not going to happen. So in that case, he's a good player. Um, at this level and if he can get starting minutes somewhere else then awesome go go for it you know and kind of the same thing with um i, I keep wanting to say nisha <laughs> why do i keep wanting to say nisha i don't know elliot horde or tyler blackwood tyler blackwood, blackwood. Um, yeah. same thing with tyler blackwood is uh, once we bring in uh our new our new striker um he started immediately and i don't think tyler's gonna get starting minutes um or really a, a lot of minutes moving forward. So see them both go on to other clubs, get minutes. That, that's good. I'm fine with it. Yeah, last piece of news. USL Championship and League One have announced today that they have reached an agreement with ESPN Plus for three more years of content uh, production and sharing on ESPN Plus platforms as well as 18 championship games on the ESPN networks, which include ESPN2, ESPN News, ESPNU, and now ESPN Deportes. Um, that's uh, an increase of, um, I think, five or six games yeah. from this past season. Um, if, if you've been following, there's kind of ES, ESPN has a Soccer Wednesdays or you know, USL Championship Wednesdays, and sometimes the games are played on Tuesday. But um, that's kind of the, the game of the week is on Wednesday. Um, Sacramento has had one of those games and sometimes they're they've been on ESPN news sometimes they've been on ESPN U. most of the time they've been on ESPN 3 if you don't know what ESPN 3 is ESPN 3 is basically all the games and stuff that ESPN would put on TV but 
is not as interesting. So they put it on ESPN three, which is like their online channel. Um, and you have to sign in with your TV provider and blah, blah, blah. That has not been mentioned. Mm. So it sounds like if they're going to do a game of the week, it's going to be on TV. If you have kind of a basic cable package, you probably should be able to watch it. If it's on ESPN Deportes, maybe not. But ESPN Deportes is kind of a big step. It gets the league out there to some fans that maybe haven't been able to watch before because there haven't been a Spanish language broadcast. Sacramento, for their local games and the games that they buy to put on TV out of market, have a, a, a Spanish broadcast on um on the local channels but i think this is good that we're kind of broadening our our fan base yeah good exposure yeah good exposure and speaking of exposure we were exposed to some quality beer night action Mm, this past friday night uh for those that don't know sacramento played phoenix rising in the valley of the burning sun and uh, sacramento definitely did get burned it was two to one to phoenix who continue not only their current active win streak record, but their dollar beer night record. And Zach, you said here that it was a crazy first 10 minutes. It was. Uh, so just give you a little summary um, of the game, and then we'll go into some talking points. Uh, it was a cra- Yeah, it was a crazy first 10 minutes. We saw a couple minutes into the game, Cameron Awasa, you know, makes a heads-up play. Uh-huh. Heads-up play. Mm-hmm. Good one, good one. Uh it, it kind of, I, I don't know, a header from the, the center back trying to reach the goalie. Um, Cameron Rossa just reads it, gets on it, heads it himself the, with his back to the goal, gets an early goal, kind of a fluky goal. Um, but Phoenix comes back a couple minutes later, and uh, unfortunately a, a good shot goes off Barahona's foot. He's trying to clear it. And an own goal is made. Um, it's 1-1. And then moving on after that, after about the, the 17th minute, Cameron Owasa puts on a really good uh, strike just outside the 18. After about that 17th minute, it was all Phoenix. Mm-hmm. It was a dominating um, half for them. They, they established possession. They established quality scoring chances. They established their game plan. Moving forward, really, from then on, other than a couple, you know, um, chances that Sac Republic had here and there, it was it was all Phoenix, and uh, the pressure inevitably breaks, and they're able to score. Um, they're able to score right before halftime. It was another kind of weird goal. It was off. A, it was off a corner, um, and it was saved from going out of bounds. It comes up. Sante puts it on net. It, it kind of hits off of their center back's no-no area, if you know what I'm saying. Um, it goes in the net, and uh, Phoenix is up 2-1. Um, yeah, that, that was the same center back that headed the pass back to yes, it was. Uh, Lubin, their keeper. And I was listening to a, a Phoenix podcast today, and they were the podcast came out before the Sacramento game, but they were calling for Joey Farrell, that center back, yeah. to get back in the lineup. So. I think he he was kind of earning his way back, or or there was some squad rotation, and he maybe had lost his spot for a couple of games, so he was earning his way back. And to start off the game with a poor header, sucked. But then he's credited with the goal, so 
Yep. He makes up for it. He does. And uh, it's kind of right place, right time. Um, and right before we go into half, with the kind of dying moments of the first half, another great strike is put on frame. Shuttleworth, our man, makes an amazing save. Um, and Sac Republic, after that, kind of limps into halftime. And after half, from, from really from the start of the second half, Phoenix is able to continue that dominance in possession. Shuttleworth makes another great save in the 76th minute off another deadly corner um, set up by Phoenix. Um, again, just possession, dominance by Phoenix throughout that second half. We see a second yellow shown to Mala, the Phoenix center back, in the 90th minute, and a total of five minutes extra time given, but Sack was unable to do anything with it, and the game ends 2-1. to one. Um, Now, out of that, out of that kind of summary, I would like to stick to three talking points today for us here at the 916 Republic. The first one I would like to stick to is what did Sack do well? And what we're going to do is we're going we're to talk about what Sack did well, we're going to talk about what Phoenix did well, and then we're going to talk about why was Phoenix able to come out with a victory. So for starters, Sack, they came out with a lot of energy and they maintained a high level of physicality, which is important against a team like Phoenix. They've shown, especially on dollar beer nights, they can just overpower you and score goals like it's nothing. And so to come out with a lot of energy, a lot of physicality, I think was very important for SAC to do. They were able to do that. Um, And also building off of that, you know, keep in mind, again, like this is Phoenix. I would argue the best team in the championship right now and the best offense in the championship. And you put them on dollar beer night, that's just amplified. So keep in mind that they are really kind of the benchmark. And I thought for the most part, Sac Republic from kind of an individual level, they were able to shut down a very talented front three and won individual battles more often than not. The goals, they didn't necessarily come from players getting burned. And it showed, you know, it's that benchmark that shows that we have talent on this roster. And so I kind of want to open that up to you guys. Like, what, what, what did you see? What did you see that Sack did well? Um, kind of building off that. Yeah, and, and keeping a couple of things in mind before I kind of answer this question, this is only the second time that Phoenix has beaten Sacramento. Yeah. The first came, the, I think their first year in league, and was that four years ago or three years ago, and it was, it was like a 1-0 win. The teams are completely different. Phoenix was owned the league was completely by different. a completely different ownership. Yeah, the league was completely different. So, in the Connor kind of modern-ish era of the championship, the past two to three years, Sacramento has had Phoenix's number. Yeah, and I bring that up because I was listening to uh, a little interview with the uh, LAFC general manager uh, Todd Thorrington, and he basically said that this weekend's game between LAFC and the LA Galaxy was a, a game of consequence and when he was playing in the league you know a decade ago there weren't very many games of consequence throughout the season but there are more games of consequence throughout the season in major league soccer because teams are just better and there's the rivalries yeah. are a little bit deeper and there's more teams to uh you know be aware of and there's more games and i, I kind of going to take that mentality and put it with phoenix because i think for phoenix this was a game of consequence ignore the record that sacramento has you have to look at the record that Phoenix and Sacramento have. Sacramento has done very well against Phoenix, even last year when Phoenix were, again, destroying people. They didn't have the run that they've had, 
but pretty much the whole season, yeah, they, they were. were top five. They were dominant. Yeah, absolutely. And Sacramento drew with them 1-1 or nil-nil, something like that at home, and then beat them 3-1 on the road. And I think Phoenix said we're not going to allow a uh, surging but wavering Sacramento team that's made some good signings to come into our house again and beat us. Especially on Dollar Beer Night. So I'm keeping keeping that in mind. What did Sac do well? I'm going to go ahead and say I think they were really up for this game. I think Cameron Awasa... You could see kind of the fire in his eyes. Yeah. He he knew that the pressure was on him to score. And I think that's why you saw him maybe rip a couple shots that he shouldn't have. However, there was also a couple shots that he put on frame that definitely lesser quality players just don't put on frame. Yeah, um, I'm thinking of the one that he had at the top of the box just outside on the very right. And he's able to force a diving save from Lubin. Yeah, that was the 17th minute. Yeah. And, and if that ball is... Uh, maybe a foot and a half higher. Oh, yeah. It's going top corner, and I don't know if Lubin can get to it. Yep. And I, I, I think he he felt that pressure, and I think that's the reason that he is able to get that first goal. If you come out lackadaisical and you think, oh, okay, yeah, the center back in the second minute is going to calmly head it back to his keeper, or he's going to just take the ball and turn, or you know, if if he's not on, mm-hmm. if he's not thinking, I could possibly intercept this ball. He, he doesn't get it. And that's how we see a lot of Sacramento games start. Mm-hmm. They patiently get the ball out to the wing and let one of the players do something. It it generally doesn't come off of a defensive error. The excitement in the first 10 to 15 minutes comes off of Sam Werner being very dribbly and doing something creative. So I think what Sacramento did well is actually come out with a lot of energy. Yeah. And I think that energy very quickly went away when Phoenix equalized. Um, that being said, I, I still think that when they saw the opportunity was on, they tried their hardest to counter, but they were so afraid of being counter countered, being counted on Yeah, that it was, it, Rightfully it, so it was hard for them. So I think they came out with a lot of energy and that might sound cliche like, Oh yeah, they, uh, they played a hard, uh, you know, no, like, but that is a thing. Like it is, especially in this game. Like it, we, honestly, it felt like I turned to I forget who I was watching the game with. I think I was watching it with our friend Cruz, um, who doesn't really watch soccer. But I was like, honestly, dude, like this. I was kind of explaining some things here and there. And I was like, this feels like a playoff game. Like the energy level, it felt like a playoff game. Yeah, and and I, I would just say like we we've played sports the the three of us here. Um, running, whether it, you know, hockey, volleyball, soccer, football, whatever, we've all played different sports. Uh, and, and if you're listening, you've probably played a sport. You've been in a competitive environment at some point. There are some times in sports where your team has been prepped and you know that you have to perform at your, your highest state, your, your max capacity performance to get a result because the guys you're playing or the team you're playing are good and you're up for that game and i i think sacramento for the first 10 or 15 well the first minutes before phoenix equalized were kind of in that that flow state where they weren't thinking they were just reacting and everything was very natural except for maybe one player but i can talk about a bit later so that's what i think sacramento did well i don't want to take up a ton of time so 
Nolan, would you like to add? Yeah, I think uh, one thing that I noticed from the game that Sacramento did well is exactly what Scott was mentioning with, yeah, Sacramento didn't want to get uh, pressed in a counterattack and lose possession and then be caught out by <clears throat> Phoenix's, you know, Asante uh, and Adam John uh, and company, but I think Sacramento did a really good job of shutting down those guys in open play to an extent. I think you see the two goals that Phoenix did score um, were direct. We'll talk about this later. Um, but they did. They were. Uh, the strings were being pulled by Solomon and Asante in both of those goals. Yeah. Um, but regardless of that fact, I think uh, Sacramento, Sacramento did a really good job of um, being defensively solid and not letting those guys catch them out. So yeah. that's what I think Sacramento did well. I would agree. Um, and moving on, let's talk about, you know, I think it's important for us to discuss kind of why Phoenix did well and what, what can we learn from Phoenix and, and what they were able to do well. One thing I saw was kind of in the wake of that weird and unfavorable, unfavorable start for them, uh, they were able to establish possession and force their will and their game plan um, despite that moment. And another thing I saw from them that was their midfield, especially Kev- Kevin Lambert. They supported that midfield, supported the counter, the link-up play, the link-up passing, the overall possession of the offense so well throughout the game, which was a big reason why they were able to, to keep possession and, and to ultimately win this game. Um, and I, I'll, I'll open that up to you guys. You know, Is there anything that you guys saw during this game that, that Phoenix did well? For me, it was just they were, they outclassed Sacramento. Um, yeah, they're they're the better squad, and they didn't let a rejuvenated, uh, excited team that they have a pretty uh, poor historical record against. They didn't let that team um, come in and uh, surprise them in any way. I mean, the first goal was a total, was pretty wild. Like, go mm-hmm. watch the highlights. It's kind of crazy how. Uh, the center back just takes, pretty much nudges it right onto Cameron Awas- into Cameron Awasa's uh, yeah. range, and Awasa just heads it, collides with the keeper, heads it into the goal. Um, I thought it was pretty incredible of, of Phoenix to keep their heads cool and, and keep composure, keep taking yeah. their chances, and you know the goals that they did score weren't uh, weren't beautiful, but they got the job done, and I think that's that's huge in a game um, that's as uh, historically and emotionally loaded is the one that we saw. So that was, that was what I... Um, finally, let's talk about what. why was Phoenix able to come out with the victory? For me, Phoenix had a plan and we didn't. It, you Basically, you boil it down to that. They had a plan. They stuck to it. They got a little rattled in the beginning. They were able to, to come back around, gain possession, and force their will. They were organized in transition. They were dynamic in the final third. And then when you look at Sacramento, we looked lost in possession. We looked stale in the final third. And as a result, Sac tries to counter quickly and rush themselves into turnovers and bad chances. Um, I think, honestly, like the 26th minute, if you're able to go back and watch, uh, watch the game, if you go to the 26th minute, we gain... It was a great example of us, you know, not knowing what to do in possession. We, we were able to gain possession in that moment, and as a result, we just looked lost, and and we didn't have, we didn't seem to have any sort of game plan, or at least, you know, at the very least, not 
be able to commit to the game plan. And we were able to get into the final third and, again, just looked lost. Um, so, yeah, I, I, Scott, anything to say off that? Yeah, so we talked for a little bit on Sunday, uh, the three of us, about just some things that we noticed from the game. And I kind of brought up that Sacramento has – I feel like th- there's a problem – with playing either Cameron Awasa or Enna Voltsen in that number 10 position. Because what you're essentially doing is leaving two midfielders to take care of the other team's three midfielders. For example, Phoenix had John Beccaro, uh Kevon Lambert, and Aragiz. I can't remember. Maybe somebody could look up the, what, what the other uh, midfielder was. Against Hayden Partain and Jaime Villarreal. Maybe against lesser opposition, those two can boss the midfield. But what happens is Cameron Awasa, or in this game it was, what, what is it? Jose Aguinaga. Aguinaga, okay. Um, so basically what happened in this game is Thomas Edavoldson and Cameron Awasa, who were interchanging positions, were asked to both cover the central defensive midfielder, Kevon Lambert, who Zach just said played very well. Oh, yeah. And they were also, when the possession would switch from center back to center back. Then they would rotate and go from central def- central defensive midfielder to then put pressure on the center back in possession. So then in that interchange space opens up for both the center back that just passed the ball and Kevon Lambert, the central defensive midfielder with them switching. Then everyone else kind of has to rotate over as well because just that shift from center back to center back switches the side of the field that the ball is on. So then all of a sudden the the winger that was cutting off a passing lane in the middle to um, the opposing winger or midfielder then has to go out to the fullback. Well, the, that then leaves a passing lane open in the middle of the field. So then a central midfielder like Jaime Villarreal then has to shift over on his guy to get, then cut off that par- passing lane and mark somebody else. So all of these things are, are happening. And then that is if the Phoenix players are stagnant or they're not stagnant because they have a rehearsed off the ball movement to their game plan. So as soon as the center back passes to another center back, the winger midfielder and fullback all know, okay, we need to rotate in this way because that's where the space is going to be because that's their pre-planned movements. That I think mixed with Sacramento having two midfielders, basically, um, spelled the doom from the, the time the game started. Because Simon Elliott, we've seen, he just doesn't really adjust for those things. If Sacramento is winning, he will. He'll pull off that second forward and put on Drew Skundrick. Or yep. in the past, it's been Hayden Partain. Um, or or he'll, you know, in the past, even put on Ray Sari. But he's not going to do that when we're down because he needs the attacker. So Phoenix has the rehearsed offensive plan when they are in possession. They also had the advantage in the midfield. Well, then let's flip it. When Sacramento was in possession, Phoenix was prepared for Sacramento's lack of movement, I will say. And they knew exactly who they had to mark. They tried to 
not give the center backs too much time, but they also didn't pressure them a ton. And they said, we're going to cut off all the passing lanes to these two central midfielders, Partain and Jaime Villarreal, and also whoever was playing in that number 10 role. So their three midfielders knew if we take away these three passes, then we've got them because then the ball is going to go out to the wing, to one of the fullbacks and we'll close it down. We're not going to let Formella or Aliman, who would drift centrally, get on the ball. So then all they had to do was just basically sit back and wait for Sacramento to make a passing error. Another thing that you'll notice if you watch the game is Phoenix is also much better at receiving the ball in tight space and playing out of it. One of the reasons they can do that is because they know where their teammates should be, even when moving. They should know. If I get this ball here, I can one-time it yep. over the head of my defender onto an on-running Solomon Asante into space because the fullback has come up to close me down. They know that because they've practiced it. Sacramento does not practice. I can tell you because we don't see it in the game. Sacramento does not practice these offensive movements. There is no plan when we get the ball. Part of that is, I think what Zach was talking about was Darius Formella in the 26th minute, if, I, if I'm recalling right had the ball and was dribbling toward the box. Mm-hmm. There was, uh, I believe it was Cameron Wasa or Anna Voltsen were both, um, one was in the box and one was running into the box. But you could kind of tell they were looking around like, okay, am I in the right spacing? It, it, does this feel right? And then Formella being the new guy, which I don't know why he started, yeah, um, just kind of was like waiting, waiting for somebody to do something, waiting for somebody, continue to wait. And then he tried to play the ball and lost it um this is the biggest problem and it sprung a counter yeah it's simon elliott all of the, those two things uh the formation flaw because and i'm not i'm not blaming him for playing that formation if you think it works hey coaches all around the world try things that think they will work and at halftime make adjustments so i don't blame simon or simon elliott for attempting to play that Playing a four-two-three-one in the first half? No, me yeah, either. I, I don't. I don't blame that. But, but when you limp into halftime like we did, yeah. What what I what I blame is him not making adjustments. He doesn't seem to be able to make adjustments on the fly. Number one and number two, he doesn't seem to have a plan going forward. I honestly think his game plan was. I hope we get a goal and then can sit back, which is what I said last episode, because that's honestly what I feel like he's preparing for against a team that, yes, Phoenix is amazing, and I know we're away from home, but you can't tell me that if Sacramento had a better game plan, no, that they had now 24 games into the season been playing the whole season, you cannot tell me that that Sacramento team with a better game plan, with the same lineup, with the same squad, that they couldn't have walked away with a draw. I think if you have rehearsed movements, if you have a, a an idea of how you want your team to play, that there will be goals that lesser talented players can get off of more talented teams. Yep. Because you are you you've practiced it, you've rehearsed it. That is my biggest problem with this team it's simon elliott it's not the general manager it's not the players they've brought in it's not whatever is going on in the front office it's not major league soccer expansion it's simon elliott i i 
I am torn between wanting him back because he can continue to grow and with his playing pedigree and all those things, I, I think he could be a real asset to the club. And if he is let go, then he's not going to stay with Sacramento. And I'm torn with saying, I want to be successful and I want to win games. And I don't think he's the best person to do that for Sacramento. Yep. And it's frustrating because the pieces are there. And and looking at our schedule coming up, it's a somewhat favorable schedule. We're still very much in the mix here. Um, and And when we talk about these things, these are things that we've seen all season, things that don't seem like they're getting fixed. They're the type of things that don't usually get fixed. These are things that there's a coaching decisions. This is Simon Elliott and this is what he wants to do. And that's probably not going to change. Yeah. And so, so to just clarify my answer, why did Phoenix win this game? Phoenix have been very lucky on this run. If you look at the amount of penalties that they've scored and uh, games with red cards, or I mean, they almost drew zero zero with Rio Grande Valley on the road a few weeks back. It came, you know, their goal came in like the 80th minute or the, the late 70th minute. And Rio Grande Valley should have scored probably at least two goals that game. So they've been very lucky. So why why did why was Phoenix able to come out with the victory? It's not because they did something that was so tactically sophisticated that there was no there was just no answer for it or that their players are so amazing that you just you just can't win against them. No, we could hang. No, yeah. it, it's because Sacramento faulted. Because Sacramento was not set up properly. It's because Sacramento was not prepared for this game. That's why Phoenix is able to come away with this victory. If if Sacramento is even prepared 20% more, I think it's a 2-2 draw. I, I really I really think it's a 2-2 draw. That's my opinion. So, we've talked about this for a lot. Um let's move on to a quick LA Galaxy 2 preview. Um, so this is the frustrating thing with LA Galaxy 2. It is a two team. There are talented players on the team, but we don't know exactly who's going to show up on the game day roster for that game. We don't know who's going to be loaned down. We don't know which academy player is going to be brought up. It is that time of the season where they have had time to develop and, uh, the technical director and coaches are pointing out, you know, 16 and 17 year olds that could potentially be on the first team in a year or two, and they need to get some professional minutes. So we're not 100% sure who's going to be on the roster. We always have to preface two teams with that fact. That being said, LA Galaxy 2 have played 25 games, which is one more than Sacramento. They have 33 points, which is one less than Sacramento. They are eight wins, eight losses, and nine draws. That's not bad. Um, they've allowed 49 goals, which is tied for third in the West, third most, I should clarify that, in the West. They average two goals conceded per match, which bodes well for Sacramento. They haven't had a clean sheet since November, or since June 1st, excuse me, since November. June 1st. <laughs> they only have four clean sheets on the season. So like I said, Man. they do concede, and they concede quite frequently. They have 21 clearances per match, which is toward the top of the table. They only have about 47, 48% possession, which is... Uh, bottom third of the the league okay what does all this say before we get into that those that's the number test before we get into the eye test so what you should expect just from those numbers is a team that should sit a little bit deeper and just lets the ball come to them and then hoof it long right that that's kind of what these numbers show 
oh, we are not very good defensively and we're always clearing the ball and we can't maintain possession and blah, 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 blah. We're young and we score. We score a good amount. They have 42 goals scored, but we also let in a lot of goals. Well, if you watch the games, they actually have some pretty talented players. Um, You won't see Adam Saldana in this because he was sent off in the New Mexico game. But um, they... They do have some talented young players. Carlos Harvey is the one that looks to be playing in the central of midfield in that number six role. Uh, he's 19 years old. He is a Panamanian international, just starting to break in there with their national team. Eric Lopez is their goalie, another younger guy. He's going to be asked to make a lot of really good saves, and he can make them. In watching the game, they play a very Dutch style. So a lot of little pass, little pass, little pass, little pass, long switch. Little pass, little pass, little pass, little pass, long ball over the top. Little pass, little pass, little pass, little pass, long through ball. So if you watch the LA Galaxy, it's similar to that because LA Galaxy don't have a very good defense. And I think you can say similar things about LA Galaxy too. They just don't have a very good defense. They push their fullbacks way, way up and they get countered on easily. So in preparation for this game, I watched two halves of different games. I watched the first half of the New Mexico game, which was a 2-2 draw, uh, the game they just played, and I watched the uh, second half of the Austin... Well, I watched maybe like 30 minutes kind of split up against Austin Bold. Um, and that was in the second half. So they've... They've been pretty lucky. They had a red, two red cards against Austin, which is why they won three to one, and they had a a really nice goal against um, New Mexico. And then New Mexico kind of showed their class, and they were able to get two goals back. And then um, LA were able to. I, I think there was a penalty that gave them their their second goal. So I I'm not. I'm not worried about LA Galaxy 2, but I think if there's a, a a team that could maybe go under the radar that Sacramento has history with, yeah, um, definitely. It, it could be it could be this team. Like we were, we've been up for the the Fresno games. We've been up for the oh, like we said the Phoenix game. We've been up for the Reno games, and we haven't played LA Galaxy 2 yet. And I think fans have. Fans have kind of forgotten about them because they're not making a lot of noise. And all of a sudden, we're playing them on the road. And we need to get points from this game. Plural points. We need three points from this game. We do. To finish out the season strong. There's only 11 games left for Sacramento. That means there's only 33 possible points. And chances are we're going to need probably upper 40s to secure a playoff spot. And we're going to need to be in the 50s to secure home game. A not playing on the on the Wednesday playing round. So yeah. do the math. We, there's not a lot of room to fault. No, and, you look at – so it's funny because LA Galaxy, are, they're sitting looking they're, – they're on the outside looking in. They're in the 11th spot right now. If playoffs happen today, they'd be out. Yeah, they, they want to be in too. And they want to be in too. And they are one point. The difference between us at 6th – and LA Galaxy at 11 is one point. LA Galaxy with 33 um, and SAC with 34. It's it's tight. And it's not that tight. We, and, and it, you know, 
I feel like we've said we've said it for weeks now, months now. It's it's tight, it's tight. It's it is. It's been tight this whole season. You and, look and, at the East Coast, it's not that way. No, and it doesn't seem to be thinning out. No. So at some point, it's gonna someone is gonna go on a four game run and Bing, they're up there, and then somebody's gonna go on a a three game run. And bing, they're going to be up there. And we've seen it with the top three now. They one by one kind of bing their way up there into the top, uh, top of the table. Yeah. And you're going to see that in the fourth place position soon, and then fifth, and it's going to trickle down. And we need these three points. Yeah, and I'm I'm just pulling up the table for for reference here. Um, Phoenix, who's playing tonight, we're recording Tuesday. Um, their game just started a little bit. Actually, they're almost at halftime. Um, yeah, I saw they were up one nothing at like. 12 um well like 12 minutes in. right now they are tied really with tacoma oh. um so they are first we're not even going to talk about the first three spots because it's not going to happen so fourth is austin bold 36 points which we play yep fifth oklahoma city 36 points uh sixth is monarchs with 35 points then sacramento 34 points and seventh eighth is san antonio 34 points Ninth is New Mexico, 34 points. Tenth is Orange County, 33 points. Eleventh, the Galaxy, 2, 33 points. Then Portland Timbers, 2 and 12th with 32 points. El Paso in 13th with 32 points. Vegas in 14th with 30 points. Rio Grande Valley is not quite out of it, but they're going to need they're going to need to show Big something. Run, yeah. yeah. Um. And and honestly, like it it's. It's so compact that Sacramento can very easily fall out of it oh, yeah. if they don't get some results. So the good news is like they play the Monarchs again. Oklahoma has played 26 games, and they have two more points than Sacramento, so you think they could probably pass them. Uh-huh. Austin Bold has played a, another game than Sacramento. They could probably pass them, the, the teams under them. So like Sacramento, it feels like this whole season has had this game in hand. Okay, but we've got this All game season, in hand. Yep. But we've got this game in hand. But we've got this game in hand. Well, at some point... When push comes to shove, they're gonna have to get a result. They're gonna have to string together a couple results. Yep, points against LA Galaxy two on a Saturday matter just as much as points against somebody else on a Wednesday. So the teams that are below Sacramento, they're going to have to start beating them consistently. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Nolan, we're already at forty six minutes, but yeah. Nolan, what? You haven't talked in a while. Do you, do you have any thoughts about... No, I, I don't want to belabor the point. I think, yeah, the insight about the way that Sacramento's being set up with a lack of an attacking plan and being drilled in, in uh, when, they have, when they're in position without the ball. Um, yeah, I think that's something that... Hopefully that they're doing... Like, I, I, don't, I don't know because I'm not seeing inside the training ground. But, you know, I've, you have to trust that Simon Elliott is good enough at his job to drill the team to be prepared on match day and if he's not you have to trust the management to deal with that um effectively and so yeah we'll see how they set up against LA Galaxy 2 um and yeah like we said it's been tight all season they need results and so they're, they're hanging in there I, I I don't know if this is a team yeah I don't know if this is a team that we can expect to be like top of the league or jumping into fourth at the end of the season and getting a home playoff yeah. game um some, at some point, people are going to have to accept the fact that maybe we, we watch the playoff game on no, I, or something like that. I, you know? I don't think that anyone is expecting 
Sacramento to be top of the league, I think there was an expectation that Sacramento should be the top three in the West. Mm. And looking at NBA this season, yeah, yeah, looking at this season, I I think if they have a better coach, that they are top four, and Phoenix is kind of up there by themselves doing their thing, and then it's Reno, Fresno, and Sacramento. Who's so, the guy? Somewhere up there, yeah. Who's the guy, the manager that's the switchbacks like yeah? Steve Trichu. Yeah. Has he been hired anywhere else? I haven't. He... I haven't seen. And just to let people know, this is why I love Steve. Why I like Steve Trichu, Steve Trichu so much. Yeah. He was asked by U.S. Soccer to scout Weston McKinney mm-hmm. when he went over to Schalke. Like you don't you don't just ask anyone, any coach anywhere yeah. to go on a scouting uh-huh. trip to Germany to scout this amazing player that you heard of. Yeah. He's very well respected. That's all I'm saying. Do you guys have any other uh, news or notes you guys want to talk about? Any other points you want to bring up before we sign off for this week? No. I mean, I would just like to say one thing. Um, something that we've struggled with this year is mid or midweek games. We have two midweek games um, remaining in our schedule. That I think is going to make or break our playoff hopes. That's that's those, crazy that those two games could make or break the the playoffs. I really think and 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 I include the game before that Wednesday game and the game after that Wednesday game are affected by that mid midweek game. So if we're able to come out with strong, we're able to come out with points, um, and and good showings in those going in and going out of those midweek games. We're looking good going into playoffs. Those two games and, and the schedule in that area is going to be really important for us. Okay, so then we have, this is what we'll end with. We have 11 games left in the season, right? We have 33 points possible. How many points does Sacramento need to be spots number four through six? That's really our goal is to be four through six. I know fourth is better, but four through six. Let's let's avoid that Um. Well, sorry, four, four through seven, because we want to avoid that Wednesday play-in game. Um, so four through seven. How many points does Sacramento need to be in fourth, fourth through seventh? It's, it's hard to say. I, I, I just don't know. I don't know what the other teams are going to do. Because if, say, the Timbers 2 beat uh, Austin Bold, then the Timbers jump up into six, and yeah. the Bold drop to 12th or whatever. Yeah. Like, it's just... It, so you're saying if everybody gets 25 points, then we're all still right there. Right, yeah. Or if everybody gets but, blah, blah, blah points, yeah. it doesn't, yeah. It's too hard. It's just, it's hard for me to say. I say you can afford three losses and then try to win, pull out wins and draws and 22, 21 points in the rest of the games. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. That's, I like that. You can afford three losses. I think that that's a pretty good point. I think if we lose any more than three, we're in trouble. So that's what I would say on that too is if we can lose less than three games in the remainder of our schedule, we'll be able to make playoffs and have a somewhat favorable seed. Yeah, I, I think that the the coaching staff and the management, if they're sitting down and looking at these 11 games, I think, uh, and I looked because I looked at it a couple of days ago, I think there's probably six games that you look on there and you say, okay, this is a must-win game. Yeah, we cannot afford to lose this game because we know that the other games around it, those other five games are kind of dicey. 
So personally, I think this LA Galaxy 2 game, they've started as, okay, we have to get three points, even though it's on the road. I would agree. That That's the nature of the beast, if you will. Those other that's five games, yeah. I think they're saying if we can get three or four draws, a minimum three draws, I think is what they're going to need. So if you do the math, that's 18 plus three is 21. I think they'll be in that sixth or seventh spot. So the, look, the, the reality is there's going to be a team. We've said it before. There's going to be one or two teams in this four through 13 spot that wins seven of their last 10 and draws two and loses one. They're going to go on a super good run. They're going to be hot going into, into the playoffs. That was Sacramento last year. They went from fourth to second. That doesn't sound like a big deal, but it was because we were like, Oh wow. We, we finished second in the league. We didn't think we would finish this high Sacramento. Honestly, if they want to be successful, they're going to have to, Go on a run. It's going to have to be winning at least two-thirds of their games. And like I said, we have a somewhat favorable schedule to do that. Yep. We don't play any of the top three. The The hardest game we have is Austin and Oklahoma and the Monarchs. And I think those are all super winnable games. Yeah. So with that being said, we're optimistic for this game on Saturday against LA Galaxy 2. Tune in on ESPN+. Plus. We also want to move up in the Copa Califas table. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's probably boys oh, over we there. forgot it. Yeah. So oh. check out Copa Califas on Instagram, Twitter, yep. Facebook. We want to move up in that table. Big three points for that as well as for the league. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, glad having you. Glad, glad you guys were here today. Glad you're here. Glad Zach was able to take a date with his mom. That's, that's, that's nice. <laughs> what movie did you see? Saw Spider Man. Good wholesome. It was good. I liked it. It Nice. All right. Well, as always, everyone, glory, glory, Sacramento. Sacramento.